Hi everyone, this is Dr. Tracy Jones. Thanks for tuning in to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership. Our guest today is Brock Culpepper. Brock is the Director of Learning within a Fortune 500 organization and has been in that space for the past 20 years. He also works in Birmingham, Alabama with a ministry called Redeem Ministries, which is a recovery program for those battling addiction. You're gonna really enjoy Brock's perspective on what it takes him to pay the price of leadership. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk with today's top leaders about what it took them to pay the price of leadership. And today, my very special guest is Brock Culpepper. Brock Culpepper is the director of director of learning in a fortune 500 organization he has been in that space for 20 years his passion include professional development creativity innovation multimedia and community service brock also served in bivocational ministry for over 20 years and now volunteers with redeemed ministries a recovery program for those battling addictions and we'll love to hear more about that brock thank you so much for being on our podcast Hey, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. Well, Brock, my dad gave a speech called The Price of Leadership. And in it, it was one of his most given speech. He spoke a lot on leadership, said it was a really misunderstood, but he also said um, that there is a price you have to pay to be a leader. And he included four tenants that if you're not able to accept and deliver and honestly bear, then you can't truly be a leader. And the first one of those, he says, is loneliness. And we've all heard it said, it's lonely at the top. You know what I'm saying? It looks so great up there. And boy, then you get in the seat and you're like, wow, it is just, it's different when you're in the seat. So can you unpack what loneliness means for you as a leader, if you've been in that space or what you would do to encourage our listeners if they are in a season of loneliness right now? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And, and I've heard that whether you're uh, in an organization or whether you're in, in ministry. Um, like you, I've always heard the CEO and the pastor, that could be the, the loneliest positions uh, with the organization. Um, and, and really, I don't think it's necessarily just leaders. I think you can feel that loneliness or weariness or abandonment regardless of, of your position. Wow. Uh, and and it, takes, it takes having the right uh, focus and the right mindset to come out of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how do you kind of look at that where people do kind of come out of that? What helps you get out of that mindset when you feel alone? For me, you've got to, uh, one, know what your values are, know what mm. your purpose is, know what your mission in, in life is, because that drives everything. You know, right. your mindset drives your behavior, your behavior drives your, your resilience. Um, and if you know what your purpose is, and, and for me, if you're a leader, regardless of what level leader you are, if you're not a servant leader, you have to question whether you should be a leader or not. 
I hear that a lot. And you know, a lot of times you talk about your values and your purpose, but we read about the greats throughout history and there are times where that was the only quote bedfellow they had was just that knowing that this is what they were put on this earth to do. And if you don't, and being humble enough to go, if I have to do this and go this route alone for a little while, I will. Yeah, and, and if I have my best interest at heart, and that's my focal point, then that might take me down a path where I may get to the top. I may earn that position that, that I think I want, um, but I may do it through an improper means. I may step on people along the way just to attain what, what I want because I'm, I'm self-driven. But if I'm driven by adding value, to other people mm -hmm. and helping other people get promoted um, I, to me a lot of a lot of that loneliness can come from just being focused on yourself right but if, but if you're looking outward at how I can help others that that just kind of fades away right well, that's what they always says. If you're stuck in a rut or you don't know what you're supposed to do, the quickest way to get out of that is to start doing things for other people. And, yeah. and I love the servant leadership, but, but, you know, you also talk about it, but, you know, you do it not based on anything you're going to get out of it because not everybody you sit there and serve is going to turn around and say, hey, Brock, thanks. I needed that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, loneliness is almost a lot of times quite thankless. Well, sure it is, but um, <clears throat> I'm a I'm a firm believer in the law of reciprocity, mm. and you you don't know necessarily when you're going to see it, and you may not see it immediately, but I, I believe you reap what you sow, mm -hmm. you know. And the thing is, if I value giving, so that's that's one of my top values, and I can't give what I don't have, mm. and so. I have to invest in myself, but not just for myself. If I don't invest in myself, I don't have anything to, to give to anybody else. Right. And so as I'm giving to somebody else with that whole law of reciprocity, uh, you reap what you sow, given it shall be given unto you, that type thing. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love that. And that's so good because you do whatever seeds you're putting down, even the parable of the sowers, some are going to, some are going to fall on the right soil, not all, but eventually some will. And you don't know when, and that's, yep. that's very encouraging for leaders out there to, to just keep putting out those seeds. Um, even if you feel like you're alone, because sooner or later, something that you sowed sometime in your past is going to take root and it's going to come back to you in a mighty way. Yeah. And you saying root that triggered a thought <clears throat> uh, for those of, uh, your listeners that are in the faith-based community, a lot of you will know a guy named uh, Dennis Swanberg. He's a, he's a comedian. And he is, yeah. <clears throat> does great uh, impressions. Um, he, he wrote a book, and I forget the name of the book, but the whole premise of it was you should be in the business of building shade trees. So you're, you're planting a seed. You may not even live to see that thing grow fully, but at some point that thing's going to grow fully, and there are going to be people sitting underneath that shade tree benefiting from what you planted and you may not even see the rewards of it, mm -hmm. but it's worth it to do it. That's beautiful. Awesome. Okay. So loneliness, you talked about your values, your purpose, servant leadership. The next price that my dad talked about was the price of weariness. How do you handle the pace of leadership? How do you keep refreshed when um, you're casting the vision, you're doing this and that, some people get it, some people don't get it. I mean, how do you, how do you stay, um, how do you shoulder the load? 
Yeah, it, it's tough. And, and I'll back up before you even move into a, a leader. Um, a lot of times people reach the leadership position because they were the absolute highest performer on their mm -hmm. team. You right. know, they, they knock it out of the park, mm -hmm. but that doesn't, and they get promoted into a position because of that skill set, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that person is naturally going to become a, a great leader. Mm -hmm. uh, there was a, a Harvard Business Review article a number of years ago that said, uh, on average, <clears throat> people move into their first leadership position at the age of 30. Mm -hmm. They get their first leadership training at the age of 42. Oh. <clears throat> So wow. there's, there's a big gap right there. And, and wow. that's what I focus on within our, our company. You sure uh, do. Narrowing that, that gap. And so when you move into that leadership position, you can't bring in that same mentality that you had when you were the high performer. Um, you have to learn to, to delegate. Mm. Delegation is absolutely huge. And, and it takes some time to not want to do everything yourself you know if, if you look at it on, on a spectrum you have a leader who when it comes to delegation you can be that type of leader that says i'm the boss you're going to do what i say because i say it and i'm giving everything to everybody mm -hmm. and that creates resentment on your team and on the other end of the spectrum you're that leader that says you know what i'm in my position for a reason i can do it better than anybody therefore i'm just going to do it and what that does is it creates a victim mentality for yourself and, and you're mad at your team because they, they're not working as hard as you are. So you're punishing your team for something that you're doing. Um, wow. So you've got to find balance in, in delegation mm -hmm. where yes, you do cast the vision, but at the same time you're walking beside your team and yet nothing is, is beneath you. You can absolutely get in the weeds with them if you have to. Okay, so I want you to break down to the leaders because I know this because that's how I met you and had you on this podcast. But tell them what you do, Brock. I mean, you've got this that you're recording all year long for your people. You're a director of learning. And you know what, Brock? Everybody always says that. Oh, we get picked for leader. Oh, we want to train them into leadership. Brock, it, I was halfway through my PhD. I was 55 before I finally realized there's a difference between being a leader and leadership. Come on. It just... We miss this somehow. How do, you, how do you close that gap with your people so that they can become really, uh, so they don't get bitter with their employees, so they don't keep you know, trying the old ways and acting like just um, a real souped up individual contributor? Tell them how you um, kind of integrate that into your uh, director of learning position. Well, um, <clears throat> it's, it's twofold. So as uh, the training department, we have to make every effort and make every opportunity available for people to better themselves, but it's also on the employee mm -hmm. to um, take ownership of their right. own development. So it's, it's, it's on both of us. Right. But from a learning and development standpoint, there are a number of things we do. Uh, what you're talking about, um, it's either 30 minutes or an hour, every single business day at 11 o'clock, we give uh, people professional development opportunities. This year it's on 10 different topics. So you're a part of our uh, leadership panel. You know, we do presentations, we do emotional intelligence, there's Excel courses, there's sales, you know, all of these soft skills because, you know, I don't know what the percentages are. You hear people say 75, 80, 85, 90% of what makes a person successful is soft skills. Right. And yet so many places don't do that at all. It's just, it's product training, which is important. 
but we've got to learn all of that type stuff as well. And so the way I see it, <clears throat> everybody can get better. It doesn't matter if you just joined our company this week or if you are that person that retired from our company last week after 35, 40 years of service, which happens a lot here. Yeah. Every single person can get better and we can do it every single day. And so from a learning and development standpoint, we make opportunities available every single day of the year. So by the end of this year, we will have uh, 252, I think it is, professional development modules that have been recorded and loaded into our learning management system that people can take mm -hmm. now on. And just on the topic of leadership, there are 44 different modules that we will have recorded this year. I but love then, and it's not intrinsically obvious. I mean, it, it, leadership is, is a skill and you can hone your skills. You're not born a leader. Um, it, you learn that. And so it was just fascinating for me. Um, I love that you set people up for success and let them know, hey, if it is weary, if it's really hard, I mean, everything worthwhile, you got to work at. But there's a weariness, there's a bad weariness, and there's a good weariness, right? The good weariness is I did everything I could and I go to sleep and my head hits a pillow and yay, I get up the next day. Then the bad weariness is, wow, this is hard. Hard and I don't know what I'm doing wrong. And I love that you set leaders up. And I love that you also said it's a two-way street. You provide the opportunity, but then the leader in training has to want to be developed. And if they don't have that growth need, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. They're going to miss stuff. But you know, hard. two words that you're saying there with weariness and loneliness, I would say you are more weary <clears throat> when you're trying to do it by yourself. Oh, so, gosh, yes. So from a, a learning and development standpoint, we're not just interested in connecting people with content. We're, we're interested in connecting people with people that go on learning journeys together. So what I did is I created what I call an impact team program where every other month, people that have been nominated for the leadership program, they're going through um, courses from different third party you know, companies. We might do Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or John Maxwell's Five Levels of Leadership or, and we got other organizations that, that we deal with, but we'll go through a, a course, full one day course um, every other month. And then for retention and accountability purposes, um, we'll read through the corresponding book, one chapter per week. And we have uh, one person um, volunteer, or it's actually voluntold, uh, to lead a follow-up discussion right. uh, every week of that chapter. And so we're, we're creating community, we're creating engagement. And these people are coming from different sides of the business that don't necessarily interact with each other. So you might have an accounting person, a marketing person, someone that works in the distribution center. And so it breaks down these, these silos. Um, and then as a part of that program, um, we create what's called an ideal job description. I've actually got mine in front of me here. So we, we say, what does career satisfaction look like for, um, we do a Myers-Briggs profile. So, so my profile, I'm an IN slash SFP. And so what does career satisfaction look like for an IN, uh, INFP or an ISFP? And we do the strengths finder and we do that. We do an interest uh, survey. And then we create a, a personal mission statement so that we're looking at what does success look like for me and we do a value survey based on my strengths, my skills, my gifts, my abilities. And, and then, you know, we write a person, uh, a personal mission statement. <clears throat> and so we do that through uh, coaching. So after every class, there's a 30 minute coaching call with a professional coach. Um, also part of the leadership impact team. And this goes back to what we, we started out saying at the beginning, 
that it's not just about us. People want to be a part of something that's bigger and larger than themselves. So part of the, the program is we're required to go out and do two community service projects together. So as part of the program, we also partner with the YWCA every year in downtown Birmingham, where um, we help prepare what they call their Santa's workshop event. And they serve the homeless and the low income community in Birmingham, giving you know those kids that would not get a decent Christmas the opportunity to do that. And so, you know, as the leadership impact team is going out and doing these things, we also partner with the Red Barn that's in a, a um, nearby city where um, kids have cognitive disabilities. They can go to this equestrian farm and you know get some get some help that they need. And so we go out and do serve days there. And so, you know. From a, from a business standpoint, um, people might say, hey, you're doing this um, just because it's good for business or it's good for recruiting. And, and, and if those things are true, it's good for business, it is good for recruiting, but we're not even publicizing that stuff. We do it just mm -hmm. because the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. And then this team of leaders that's going out and doing all of this stuff is giving them a sense of purpose and it's giving them something to do outside of the confines of, of this building. Um, and and making some connections that, that they would not have otherwise. And then we do team building events and things like that. So it's a full year long program where uh, these people that have been nominated because of their leadership abilities, um, it, it just allows them to, to take it one step further for the purpose of influence. You know, um, leadership is influence. And so yeah. we, can, we can influence our customers. We can influence in, in all directions. We can, uh, influence the people you work with. You can influence your bosses. You Absolutely. So. I love it. I love it, Brock. Okay. So the next thing he talked about loneliness, awareness, he talked about abandonment and, you know, abandonment can have kind of a negative connotation. But in this case, I think my father was talking about just a really great focus, a hyper focus of what you need and ought to think about rather than what you like and want to think about. You know what I'm saying? So how do you, in your roles, how do you say, because you probably get a million good ideas and we all have our, our sacred cows or our pet projects that we just love. Sure. Um, and I look at everything everybody's doing and I'm like, <coughs> excuse me, I'm like, let's do that, let's do that. But you can't do everything, okay? Because you, you'll go off point. How do you stay focused on what you need to stay focused on? Yeah, and, and that's hard for me because part of my um, values that, that I've identified, identified is creativity and innovation. Uh -huh. So if, if I'm not creating something or coming up with a new idea or, or some new, new project, then, then you know, I, can, I can get bored. I'm always wanting mm -hmm. to create. But with, with the small team you know, that I have, we have to focus on the most important things and, and let some things, you know, fall off uh, to the wayside. Because, oh, and I will tell you this, Brock, almost every entrepreneur that I've had, innovator or creator, they really struggle with this, just like you said, because we are, ideas fly into my head a, a, a thousand a minute. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm never at a loss for things to do, but my, my tough thing that I struggle with is, but what do I really need to drill into and focus on? Yeah, and so uh, I'll, I'll go two directions with this, one in the, the business professional life and then, then, then one in ministry. So I, I sit at a mid-level manager position. And so we talk about, hey, it can be lonely at, at the top. It can be lonely in the middle, mm -hmm. um, you know, especially if you're the type of person that has all kind of ideas. But what you have to understand is that there are um, people driving uh, the business, making leadership uh, decisions and strategies about the business, it, you may not be privy 
to that information. You may not have a seat at that table. You may not be a part of that discussion. You're still trying to add value, but you can't wear your feelings on your shoulders mm -hmm. if, if your idea is not accepted or your idea is not uh, received. Um, there, there are reasons for that. And so the, the phrase that, that continuously comes to my mind um, is um, respectful persistence. And so this, this didn't work. Well, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna have a new idea and ask for feedback, you know, constantly um, from, your, from your supervisors. How can I add value to the business? Is there some information that I need to know or could know that would help me with what I'm trying to uh, create? And so that, that respectful persistence and just never quitting. Um, and then from, from a ministry standpoint, this is a much more uh, personal story, but um, as you said in, in the beginning, I was in bivocational ministry for 20 years. Most of that had to do with uh, music ministry, um, the deacon in the church and whatnot. And for the most part, um, I went to what we would consider traditional church. You put your coat on, you put your tie on, and you know, a lot of good people, a lot of good hearted people, you know, they preach the gospel and, you know, good community and you go out and do what you can. Um, but it was comfortable. It was very comfortable. Never got out of our comfort zone all that much. Maybe some, you might take a mission trip here or there or whatnot, but you're not exactly suffering or anything, you know. Um, and I guess it was about three and a half years ago, I, I very much got out of that bubble, got out of that, that comfort zone. And because I, I guess going back to, you know, my calling and, and what is it, am I really supposed to be doing and how am I supposed to be um, influencing and helping, you know, people. If you had walked into one of those traditional churches that I was talking about, let's say you were a person that didn't fit the mold. They didn't look like you. They didn't look like me. Maybe they were full of tattoos and body piercings and, and whatnot. Had they walked into the back door, people might have, you know, kind of looked and wondered what was going on, might have been a little uncomfortable or, or whatever. Um, well, for three and a half years or so, I've now been going to a, uh, a church that was formed uh, just a few years ago as a ministry for uh, recovering addicts. Um, and and that ministry just started to snowball and snowball and, and reach more and more people in, in the addiction community. Um, and when, when they opened the doors of this, this little bitty church, uh, the very first Sunday that they opened those doors was the day that my family of six, homeschool family, I've got four kids under the age of 15. The first Sunday we'd walk in the back door, we were the people that they turned around and said, what are you doing here? you know, because we didn't fit the mold, you know, we weren't in, you know, addiction and, and whatnot. <clears throat> and I can't tell you how that place has transformed my family's purpose. And the pastor of that church, you talk about abandonment. He had abandonment that was not of his own making from the time that he was a child, you know, through different abuses and, and whatnot. <clears throat> And he, um, he relied on drugs to um, overcome that. 
and it worked until it didn't work. And then when it didn't work, it got worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he went through nine rehabs. He, he lost his kids. Um, he tried to take his life unsuccessfully, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as, as low as, as low as you can go. <clears throat> well, he's been clean 10 years and he is the pastor leading the ministry that my family sits under. So he discovered his purpose. And you think about when you get to your lowest of lows, even that can be used because had he not overcome and overcome his abandonment, abandonment, overcome his purpose, I could not be fulfilling my purpose because what he has created is something that I am now passionately a part of. And the 20 something years of uh, ministry um, that I was involved in, this is actually the first time that my wife and I are on the same page as to what ministry should look like. Nice. Wow. I know. And that's a big deal. Oh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. As husband and wife to find where you really want to land and go all in and serving. Wow. What a beautiful testimony. So there's a, there's a guy and I don't, I don't mind saying his name. His name is Scooter. Scooter is now my adopted fifth son. Scooter happens oh. to be older than I am though. Scooter's 47 years old. He has tattoos all up his body. He's got a spider web tattoo on his neck. He was a 32 year meth addict. And through the connection of this ministry, wow. he's he experienced his two year clean anniversary. And there, there are, you know, if, if I were to take my kids to a candy shop and let's, let's say, I needed to run to the, the restroom or something. And, and I had never met a guy that looked like Scooter. He's probably the absolute last person that I would ask to watch my kids until I get back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we, we, we go on weekend rides. He was a one percenter in a biker gang. Mm -hmm. We go on weekend rides. Don't tell my parents this, but my wife and every one of my kids have been on the back of that motorcycle. That's how much trust I have in this guy. That's, that's how close our relationship has become simply as a result of, of one man being yeah. faithful to his calling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how beautiful Brock, he, <clears throat> due to some events going on early in his life, he gave up, lost hope, abandoned hope, and went into a very black space. But then he then turned and abandoned that and went into a different space. So what a beautiful thing for people to hear that um, even if we do abandon, uh, throw it all in and go the wrong path, at any given time in life with the right... Um, the right spiritual indwelling, the right network set around us, the right anointing, you can turn that around at any time. And get, look at look at Saul to Paul. I mean, womp, womp, you know, here you Absolutely. are, now here you are. And at any given time as leaders, um, that's a beautiful testimony. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, and, and going back to what you said earlier, people follow you for different reasons. Um, a lot of times, it, going back to the corporate world here, people might follow you out of fear, you know, because you now have control over their livelihood. Mm -hmm. um, 
or because of how you have treated them in, in the past, um, people might uh, follow you out of duty. You know, I, I have to. Um, but if, if people can follow you out of impassioned devotion because of, of who you are, because of what you represent, what they've done for you, what they're doing for the organization, your community, your church, whatever it is, then you have something special. Mm -hmm. I love that. Love that. Okay. So the last point he talked about was vision. And he said that vision <clears throat> is simply knowing where you're going, seeing what needs to be done and doing it. Okay. I think sometimes we're like, well, I'm not a visionary. I don't have the vision. It's like, well, vision is a lot of times just doing what needs to be done. Cause a lot of people are just waiting for somebody else to do it. So how do you hone your vision? Brock, and what made you all of a sudden make the decision to go from your church to the other one? What was that spark, that vision that led you to the next thing? Well, it was actually a two-year transition. So I, I was serving on, on staff and um, great place, great people, but there were, there were just some, some things um, that, that um, needed to, to change as far as how, how I was um, serving and being involved. And, mm -hmm. and there was a two-year period of time where um, you could almost say that that was my job that I went to on, on Sunday, mm -hmm. but on Saturday night for two years and, and even during Alabama football season for two years on Saturday night, we went to, uh, um, the home of a friend of mine, um, Donnie Ingram. Matter of fact, he's on the same panel that you're on. Yeah, Donnie. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, he'd be fantastic to have on your podcast. We went to his home for... <laughs> We went to his home for two years and we, we would show up and we'd have dinner together and then we we'd sit in a circle and we did some you know praise and worship music and then somebody would leave the lead the devotion and i mean I, I had small kids at this time um that's been uh several years ago and my youngest is is six so I, I had a small kid at that time and even when it was over nobody wanted to leave Donnie may have wanted us to leave because it was so late, but they never told us. So we would just sit there and talk till 1030, 1130, you know, at night. And then we would go home and then I would get up early and go to my bivocational job Sunday morning. Um, like I said, that was a great place. But Saturday night was where I was really getting fed and not mm -hmm. going through, you know, the the task of what I had to do to make Sunday morning successful. And so just doing something different uh, than, than what was usual, getting out of that comfort zone, that two-year period of time, I think really gave us the time to change our mindset and be open to something so radically different mm. uh, with what we're doing now. I love it. All right. So now how do you craft vision now? Well, the first thing that, that comes to mind is, is the scripture that says where there is no vision, the people perish. Mm -hmm. um, so, so that's big. Um, and, and when I think about it, you know, this is the year 2020 and every company out there has had their, their clever, you know, vision statements as it relates to 2020. This is the optometrist dream <laughs> that they've been waiting on, right? Um, but if, if I understand it correctly, um, 2020 vision means you should see exactly what you should see at 20 feet away. Well, when it comes to people in an organization, you've got to get a lot closer than 20 feet, you know, mm. to make a connection with that person to find out what they're good at, what drives them, what's important to them. Um, I do a value survey for every single person on my team 
so that I can know what's important to them, you know, and then we have to make sure that those values are in alignment with the vision of the company. And, and if there's ever conflict, um, it, it, it gives an easy template for addressing that, that conflict. Um, Interesting. I love that. All right. So, hey, Brock, anything else as we talked about loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision, anything else for our leaders that you want to share with them that we haven't already addressed? You know, just, I guess, just some thoughts off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. um, if you as a leader have to have credit, um, you know, if, if you're driven by ego, your, your team is going to resent you. So, guess is that that is going to be one of the loneliest uh, places you can find yourself. Again, when you're focused on yourself, you, you have to know that you're called. You have to um, know that you want to serve in that capacity. And you can't just um, want the position for the, the benefit that it's going to give to you. If that's, right. if that's the only reason you want the position, don't apply for the job. Um, you've got to know what your higher calling is. You've got to know what your purpose is. You've got to know what you value and where you're headed and why you're headed in that direction. Knowing your why is absolutely uh, critical. Mm -hmm. I hear you. That is, the, yeah, that's so true. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, the big thing is the thing you have to be willing to accept uh, when it comes to leadership is the fact that you are never going to make everyone happy. You, you know, I, whether that's the CEO, whether that's the pastor, whatever it is, you think about the crisis that we're in right now with the COVID and you think about the pressure that was put on, on people. Take, take a pastor, for instance. That pastor is concerned about the spiritual health of his congregation. That pastor is worried about the physical health of his congregation. Yes, sir. And whether you get together in person or whether you do virtual Whichever direction you go, you're going to have a side that is very angry with the decision you have made. And so you just have to know why you're doing what you're doing and make the best decision you can make for right. what that purpose is and then let the rest fall, you know, where it may. Right. And I'm so glad you said that because, boy, and I know that, and I've been hard on leaders, and then I got in a leadership position and then but then you forget and it's so easy to judge other leaders like you said the pastors well they came back too soon or they didn't come back and it's like just stop just stop stop judging you know what i'm saying yeah. it, it, it's a tough road it's tough decisions for and you know what <clears throat> maybe god told these guys hey stay meeting online and maybe he told these other guys hey meet in pro it's not your business to know that's right and it's true in organizations it's true in in, in the mm -hmm. government but you, you take where I live and going back to, to Redeem Ministries where I go to church, you take the number of COVID deaths in the right. area where I live, it's non-existent. Right. Um, and, and there are a lot of places that have shut down, you know, and, and so be it, if, if that's the right thing for their congregation to do. Mm -hmm. You look at the makeup of our congregation and, and the community that we're reaching where if we're not gathering, what do you think those people are doing that are in there? Yeah. You know, yeah. if you take the, the overdoses and the suicides that have taken place and compare that to the COVID deaths, we're absolutely getting together. 
you know, right. because that's our, that's our purpose. Oh my God. That, that is such a brilliant thing. And that's one of the things that's like, well, wait a minute, how can you, how can you close the doors and not be there for them? They have to be, you have always have to be there for them because they, they are going to be in need. And like you said, otherwise something else bad is going to, is going to happen. So man, that's a great point you brought up Brock. Excellent. Okay. Anything else for our listeners, Brock, that you want to include any of the last minute? You know, that's, I think that's it. And, and I appreciate what you do. I appreciate what you're doing for our company. And, and, you know, I didn't know um, your dad until, um, you know, you sent me uh, the book that that I'm reading right now, but it's interesting that as I make connections in this learning and development world, I run into person after person who does know your dad and says he he was he was an influencer he was my mentor he was my hero um you know al argo he's told me that there's one guy that you don't know that i had a meeting with at with a coffee shop just a couple of weeks ago and he's he's on the same panel that you're on and he's doing the disc profile you know Uh personal assessments and whatnot and he had the brochure in his hand just looking through all the the titles you know of of the program that we do there's 250 titles and he was just looking through it and he stopped on your name because the word tremendous you know popped out to him he said tracy tremendous jones and and he said that wouldn't be any relation to charlie tremendous jones would it so yeah that's his daughter he's like you're kidding me he said i've got a picture of he and i in my drawer i've got to find that and get it that so you can send that to her he said he was one of my heroes you know going back to that whole thing that we talked about planting shade trees yeah. And no earthly idea who's going to sit under that. Or, well, that's, it's just so beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. And yeah, I mean, of course I had to keep the tremendous and the kicking man because that, that's what he did. And he loved people and he loved faith and he loved books. And that, that's all it was about. And just, you know, keep pouring out to people and keep gathering people and you'll be the same person five years from now, except for the people you meet in the books you read. So I'm just so thankful that um, somebody in a big organization, a fortune 500 company actually gets this and really integrates this continuous learning and growth to grow future leaders. Because a lot of people um, say it, but you know, you see it in the entrepreneurial or the sales world because they have to be honing their skills because otherwise sales don't happen. But you don't always see that in other companies where it's more brick, traditional brick and mortar. So uh, Brock, I mean, you're my hero, okay? You're, oh. you're in a big entity and you're doing it right. Well, I, I appreciate it. And, and it just speaks volumes to the company that I work for. Yes, it does. I, Absolutely. The years yeah. that I've been in this department, never once have I had to justify our existence training Man, that's huge yeah it's been a part of the strategic plan and so I'm, I'm blessed to be here yeah that's incredible well listen how can people reach out to you connect with you maybe even on linkedin and how can he, they hear more about this redeemed ministry as well yeah so um you can connect with me on linkedin brock culpepper easy search i'm in the birmingham alabama area i'm on facebook you can send me an email to uh, brock culpepper 22 at gmail.com if you would like redeemed ministries uh, website is redeemed men that's m-i-n.com and you know i'll I'll say to that point um it's it's not a ministry just for our region if you know anybody that struggles with addiction no matter where they are um get them here Mm. here. beautiful beautiful absolutely help and it's a uh it's a faith-based rehab and uh, um, it doesn't cost them anything. 
Now they don't have glamorous headquarters, <laughs> but right. it's it's there's work therapy. So the ministry has a thrift store, a, a wood shop, a fab shop, an auto mechanic shop, a carpentry crew, a lawn care crew, um, all the while going through a nine month rehab program. So if if you know of somebody um, that that is struggling with that, absolutely. Um, go to the, the Facebook page or reach out to me personally and, and let's, let's get them help. Okay, we sure will, Brock. And we'll put the links to that. And for our listeners out there, um, <clears throat> please do connect with Brock and please do check out, especially anybody you know in the Birmingham, Alabama uh, area, if you know somebody that could use this nine-month program. Wow, that, that's incredibly powerful. And Brock, thank you so much for being here as, uh, as our guest today and sharing what, you, uh, what it took you to pay the price of leadership. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Tracy. Hey, you're welcome. Okay, everybody. So thanks for tuning in to Tremendous Leadership's Leaders on Leadership podcast. If you like what you heard, please be sure and hit the subscribe button and do us the honor of a rating. We would be forever grateful. So here's to you becoming the greatest leader, the most tremendous leader that you can and paying the price of leadership. Have a tremendous day. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.